Welcome to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Barry. Episode 72 features Lily, a 13-year-old student who has dyslexia, and her mother, Alexandra. Alexandra posted a poem in a Facebook group for parents whose children have dyslexia that Lily had written two years earlier. That poem and a second poem Lily wrote has been published in the May 2022 issue of Stone Soup, a literary magazine for children. In this episode, Lily and her mother discuss their journey with dyslexia, and Lily reads her poem she titled Dyslexia. Welcome, Lily, and welcome, Alexandra. I understand that you have dyslexia and that you've written a poem that describes how the dyslexia impacts you and how it makes you feel. I have interviewed a number of teachers and other professionals who work with children with dyslexia, but I've never interviewed someone who has dyslexia. So when I saw in the Facebook group, your mom posted that, I thought, wow, this would be the perfect person to talk about that. You're 13 and you're in what grade now? Seventh. You're finishing seventh grade right now? Yep. Do you mind sharing with us what life schoolwork was like before you were diagnosed with dyslexia? How did you do in school? How did you feel? And the whole testing process, how, how did that, how did you deal with that? How did you cope with that? So I was diagnosed with dyslexia in third grade, um, but I was like always in the lowest reading group and I always felt like really sad because all my friends were reading like these big books like Harry Potter and always like hanging out and talking about the books they were reading and I hadn't really read any books that were like that. Did it impact um, your friendship? Like your friends who could read those books, did you feel that you couldn't compete with them or were they still your friends? How did that, how did that work? Um, we were pretty close. I did feel a little inferior to them, but, um, and like I wasn't as good as them, but they were always super nice and we, and didn't really let it affect how we hung out together that much. Oh, that's wonderful. Tell me about yourself. What are your hobbies? Obviously, you are very creative. You've written this amazing poem. Do you write other poems or just give us a picture of who Lily is? I used to write a lot of poems. I haven't really written that many. Um, I Some of my hobbies. Um, I'm a swimmer and I love to sing. I'm in a couple choirs. And I also love to do circus. Ah, a circus. How, do, how does that work? Um, I go to classes and they teach me new skills. And I love it. And all the kids there are super nice. Good. What kind of skills are you learning? Like the flying trapeze and aerial performances? What does it look like? I've we haven't done the flying trapeze, but I've done 
two different types of trapeze. And we do acro. I'm working on my front flip. And we do silks and trampoline, balance, so like globe and tightrope, juggling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Let's get back to the dyslexia. You were diagnosed and you went through all of the testing. Tell me about some of the accommodations and the strategies that you've used to help you become a better reader. Um, Well, I had tutoring from about first grade to right before COVID started. That definitely made a difference. And my school lets me use a learning ally and sets up an account um, for me. So that's like, it reads a book and highlights the letters on the computer. So I don't have to like get these big old school books and read them by myself, which is really nice. I don't have to take a language. So I don't have to learn French or Spanish because that's a lot harder for me than a lot of the kids in my class. I can, I have longer time periods on my tests because it takes me longer to read and like process it, I guess. Your tutor, was there a particular program, a name of a program that your tutor used? Played a lot of games to help me work on like words that would be like trickier have weird rules and that was fun sometimes it'd be a song to go with the word which now means I have to sing the song every time I want to spell the word but (laughs) it was very helpful so how do you feel about reading today is that something you enjoy I love books I'd rather listen to audible books than read books in my hand I read my first chapter book last year so that was a really big thing for me um and I really liked it but I rather like that if I can't really multitask if I'm reading a book the same way you can if you're listening to it I don't know if your mom told you but I am a retired teacher and reading and helping kids learn to read was one of my passions. It still is one of my passions. And I've always believed that listening to audiobooks, I've always called it ear reading. So you're not using your eyes, but you're using your ears to be able to hear the words and to paint pictures in your mind about what's going on and to comprehend. To me, ear reading, eye reading is still reading. And I've never had an issue with that and always have been a proponent of audiobooks. So I'm glad you find success with them. Alexandra, can you introduce yourself and tell our audience from a mother's perspective about your journey? Sure. Um, So my name's Alexandra. And uh, again, Lily was diagnosed in third grade. And I think the best thing we probably did was get audiobooks set up for her, audible books. She would read books um, through Audible from the first moment she would wake up in the morning up until the last moment she went to bed. She always had an audiobook going. And I think that that was wonderful. I think that really 
helped her develop her comprehension. It really helped her develop her vocabulary and really developed her love of books. So she has read an extraordinary amount of books through Audible and through Learning Ally as well. So I think that has been a really great experience for her. And even her favorite, she was talking to me, her favorite class is English, actually. So. Oh, that's fabulous. Um, because she loves Tell us about your journey to get her diagnosed. What was that like? Sure. Well, she had a few uh, confounding things at the beginning. So uh, she had, her eyes were crossing. We actually had to, to treat her eyes first. We noticed some difficulty with reading. And, and the first couple of things we heard were from her was that she would see multiple letters in a place where it should have just been a single letter. We ended up uh, going through a, a year-long process of getting her, her eyes treated. Um, at that point, we, were, we then went and did the psychoeducational testing at the university. And they did a really comprehensive job. They interviewed us. They interviewed her teachers. They actually went to her classroom and sat in and watched her classroom before she even knew who the person was. They just came in and sat in. And so she didn't even know that they were, they were watching her and observing her in the classroom. And, but then Lily ended up meeting with, with that woman and uh, they did a very comprehensive study to see what areas were were more difficult for her and which were not. And so she has something called um, rapid automatic naming. She has difficulty with rapid automatic naming or RAM. And that means it's just very hard for, it's, it's kind of, I liken it to when it feels like there's something on the tip of your tongue. Uh -huh. So there's a word and it's on the tip of your tongue and you just can't quite say it, um, but it, she has it a lot more sort of with, with every word. So it's very hard to look at a picture and then translate it into words quickly. And the test was just looking at a picture and naming the color and what shape it was, or what letter and color it was. And it really wasn't great. So I can't really talk as fast as other kids or sing as fast as other people, which I've always felt really sad about because singing fast is cool. <laughs> So oh, I understand um, that was, I guess, the, the start of, of the process. And it was really helpful to get all of the, the report, which talked about all the different aspects. So um, it also uh, identified the dysgraphia. So it's it, her writing is very difficult. So she's always been writing songs. She's written notebook songs forever and ever and ever, it seems like. But she oftentimes has, has difficulty reading those words even after writing them. Even now, it was worse when I was younger. Um, and I've, been, I've had like my friends make fun of my spelling and handwriting, even though they didn't know it was me in front of me. And that always wasn't great. It was always a struggle to write stuff down and then read it back to people because they could never read it either. But I would, I still prefer writing on paper than I do on computers. And it's gotten much better. And so the tutoring has helped and the teachers have been wonderful. I think having really great supportive teachers has been fabulous. Do you ever dictate your writing? Yeah. Yeah. That didn't sound like you were excited about it though. I don't know. You do, you use that a lot for your homework. Though. I do. It's can be annoying. I have to go back 
and like if it doesn't copy it down right I have to go back and check the same way other people don't so it can take longer uh-huh. but it's not as bad as it could be do you have difficulty forming what you want to say or is it physically writing that is more troublesome I have like all these words going around in my brain and I never know how to spell them or write them so then it'll look like a different word and I have trouble pronouncing a lot of words so I'll know the word and I'll be saying it and we'll know what I'm saying describing meanings of words is also quite difficult but that might just be a generic like everyone thing probably is I had a student one time tell me that when he was reading he saw everything in pictures is that the same with you yes I love books because you have a lot more like creative freedom to like how everything looks in your head than you do with tv shows and movies so um you can imagine the scenery and how the characters look in a way can't when it's given to you and I feel like that's one of my favorite parts of reading books when I asked him one time to write something for me he held the paper and it was on like a a, like a, a spiral notebook and he held the notebook and he had the pencil in his left hand and he just kind of made circles in the air he just couldn't quite get to writing something down and that was the first clue to me that there was a learning difference with him. He hadn't been tested yet. And this was a very intelligent young man, a very high IQ. And up until he was a freshman in high school, he had always been able to listen to something and memorize it when he was supposedly reading something. He was actually saying it from memory. And it wasn't until he became a freshman in high school where work became more strenuous and more complicated that anybody ever knew that there was an issue with him. And that was when he told me that he saw writing in pictures and literally could not form thoughts in his brain enough to be able to write something down by hand. He could type, but he still had trouble forming a coherent sentence say have you experienced that as well yeah like I'll have this like image of how I want something to like work and I can't quite find the right words for it that work like from all the words I know none of them quite perfectly are like the right word to describe what I see when I like read a book and It's always annoying because we'll write these stories in like classes and I'll have this great, big, wonderful idea and I can't put it into words like I like other kids in my class can. So I'll have like an idea as great as like the other kids in my class, but it just won't sound that way. So So how do you cope with that? What do you do? Um, I've always been bad at describing (laughs) what I think, but the way I, 
and I draw a lot. So I'll draw the stuff in my head that I see. And it's not perfect, but I feel like you can kind of tell what I see more than how I can put it into words. When I taught English, one of the things that I invited my students to do, because what I was trying to accomplish was to find out if they had comprehended the passage. I didn't necessarily need them to write an essay. I needed them to show me in some way that they knew what we were studying and that they learned it, not just memorized it for a test, but they learned it. And so I often would give my students the opportunity to perform a, a, an original song, for instance, or to write a poem or to draw a picture. And I did that for a couple of reasons. One, I like creativity, but I also wanted to give students who have difficulty expressing themselves in the written language, the opportunity to use the creativity within, within them to express what they knew. Have your teachers given you that option? Sometimes. Um, right now, um, we're talking about graphic novels and the way the art and the words come together to help you understand the story. So we are making many like graphic novels in a way, or comic strips to for like whatever we choose or sometimes she'll do this like a topic and we will do that. So I always enjoy that. And that's been really fun. And, and why is that fun and enjoyable to you? Um, I have to write an essay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I love graphic novels because the dialogue and the art, I feel like you don't have to write as many words of description because you get to draw it. So I don't have to find the words to describe what I'm seeing in the same way, right, that I would. So I just have to write the narration and stuff. And then I get to draw fun pictures of like whatever is taking place in my story. So when you talk about making the graphic novels, are you using a pen or a pencil and paper or are you designing this digitally with a computer? Pen and paper. Mine are always quite colorful. And you like that better than using digital media? We've only really used that once in my school and it was okay, but it felt kind of constraining because the like pencils and stuff didn't work the same way pencils do on paper and it didn't feel the same way. Sure, it could come out like cleaner, but it wouldn't have that same kind of feel when you look at it. So I, yeah. Okay. Tell me about your creativity. You sing, do you write original music? The poem that your mom published is extraordinary. 
and I, I want you to talk about that later, but I wanted to know how else your creativity comes out. Um, I used to write a lot of music with my friends after school and we had a lot of fun with that. But like, in a way it's different in multiple ways. It's different from writing by yourself. I would have this notebook that I'd carry around with me where I just like write down random ideas and then like come home and try to like put it into a song. The poem was actually a chorus I wrote with my old English teacher for a club that I never finished. You didn't write all the verses, right? I Yeah, I just like didn't know how I wanted it. So I was like figuring out the tempo and stuff. So her English teacher um, was a, a singer prior to becoming an English teacher. And so he offered up a club for students to do a songwriters club. And so the kids all met up and there were only a few of you who did it. Right? It was like four. Four of you who did it. And you all would go and, and work on your songs and he would help try and get the beat to the music to go with it and stuff like that, which was wonderful. How yeah. exciting. It was a great opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Where do you see yourself heading as far as careers? I know at 13, there's a lot you will experience and that's going to help shape where you're going. But if you had a, if you had a, a fortune telling ball right now, where do you think you're heading with what you would like to do as an adult? I've always kind of wanted to go to college for the arts. But as I'm getting older, I'm trying to like think through how I want my life to like go. And I've always loved books in English. So I'll probably be an English teacher. At one point, I really wanted to be a special needs teacher because I wanted, because I feel like I understand a bit more than people who don't have my remaining disabilities do. And I had a teacher who had a disability and he like talked to me about it in the ways my other teachers didn't and help like boost my self-esteem about it. And I would totally want to be someone like that for other kids who are in middle school and are kind of figuring out who they are and help with how they think about themselves and their disability. I really dislike the word disability. And I, I've always tried to say learning differences because to me, when you have the prefix dis, that means less than. And my experience with majority of my students is that the ones who have dyslexia were incredibly creative and skilled in other areas. And I always encouraged them to build upon their strengths that yes, we have to address this part of you that isn't as developed as this other part. We have to work on that, but we have to really also focus on what you're good at and what you enjoy doing. And that's the path that I would like to see you pursue. And art in different forms seems to really be where most of my students went. 
And it doesn't necessarily mean just art with like, you know, watercolors or oil paints, but graphic design, tattooing, um, medical, you know, even envisioning medical devices. And it's extraordinary. So I love the fact that you are so open and willing to explore and really becoming to know who you are. That's a great gift. Let's talk about this poem. We know that it was part of a chorus. Would you be willing to read the poem for us and talk about how you came to write this and what it means to you? Sure. Letters crash around me like waves in a storm, knocking me down, pulling me into the sea of words as distractions fly around me like birds. Birds, like words, dive down in a swarm. I think that's beautiful. And on the Facebook group, there were a lot of adults who indicated that they thought this was a beautiful poem and that they had read it to their own children who have dyslexia. And it seems to really resound with a lot of people. I would imagine that makes you feel pretty good about yourself. I wasn't so sure about it before, but a bunch of people really liked it and said that like, it like frames how they feel about dyslexia for them like perfectly. So it's nice that other people really like it, which kind of makes me like it a bit more. Um, and I did knowing that like, it's not terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the imagery. I can picture letters just kind of swirling around your head and like, just like what you said, just like waves coming in and just knocking you down because having dyslexia and learning with an issue that's in your brain that you have no control over has got to be very, very difficult. And then the distractions. Have you, some children also have ADHD or ADD in conjunction with dyslexia. Is that an issue for you? No. If I get distracted, it's because I'm daydreaming and not paying attention as well as I should be. I do not have any like attention disabilities or anything. Then you say birds like words dive down in a swarm. So to me, that means these letters and these words are just coming at you so fast that it's almost impossible to make sense out of this, to make meaning out of this. And I am just so impressed that you're able at such a young age, you were 11 years old when you wrote this, that you were able to articulate how you felt in just a few sentences. Thank you. Tell me about the publication process. How did you decide that you were going to submit this to the magazine? And what was that whole process like? My mom stumbled across one of my older poems from the year before. And I showed her this, um, the dyslexia one. And she said that I should try to like show it to Stone Soup since she read that when she was younger. And so I was, I was, like, I was like, okay, sure. So she sent them over. And they really liked them. They're like, can you record reading them so other kids with dyslexia can like listen to it? 
And so I did that. Then they're like, okay, it'll probably come out in like May. And I forgot about it. Then it came out in May. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Um, and then my mom posted it and a bunch of people really liked it. And I was like, that's really cool. Nice to know people think in the same way as you because everyone tells you they do but no one really comes out and says oh um like this is exactly how I feel and stuff that made me feel really good your friends who haven't quite understood dyslexia how do they react or how did they react that you're now a published poet they didn't really care ah. <laughs> I'm often like oh I'm so proud of you because they had always been like more supportive of me because they also had a disability. So they understood how I felt. It was, yeah. So they'd always been like, you got this. Um, but my other friends were just like, oh, cool, whatever. Before we say goodbye, I would like for each of you to offer words of wisdom. Lily, what would you tell other students who are struggling in some aspect of their academic career, how would you help them feel better about themselves? What would you recommend? I try to think positively. And everyone always said, this thing is great and you'll see things a different way. But I didn't like really think about it that way till now and like seeing all the ways like things that other people don't understand I understand so well because and it comes really naturally to me because of my dyslexia it does get better it does it absolutely does Alex what would you say to parents whose children are like Lily I would say that it is absolutely wonderful I just love her brain it is she thinks of things in a totally different way. And like she used the words in sort of unique ways in the poem, she's always saying sort of things a little bit differently and, and giving me a sort of a different view on the world. And I really like that. I think that's a special gift that she's been able to give me. I always appreciate that aspect of it. And I think that if I were to give any piece of advice, I would say, um, to teach your kid to be as much of an advocate for themselves as they can be. Lily has gotten to be very good at, at explaining dyslexia to her teachers and to her friends and to people she meets. But I'm, I'm always surprised by how much people don't really understand dyslexia or, or think of it in different ways. And so yeah. I think advocating for yourself is important. Adding on to that um, for like parents and stuff, if your kid doesn't advocate for themselves, it's probably because they're feeling really bad about themselves. So either you write an email, <laughs> be more encouraging of it, and like get them to stand up for themselves. Because most of the time after you do, the person will be like, sorry, and like actually like become really helpful and do a good job of helping you out. I love the positive attitude that both of you have. I think taking the positive road and 
looking at all of the wonderful things that come from this is such a better path. And it's like I said about, you know, my students, it's like build upon your strengths. We can't, we can't ignore that we have some challenges, but we'll work on it. But look at the strengths, look at the gifts that you have. And you two embody my philosophy about learning differences. So I am so glad that you are joining me on this podcast today. And I know that there are other families out there who encounter this. And if they don't encounter it themselves, I know they know another family who is living your story. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest, or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.